The other morning, when I was out with the dog, I'd uh, just reached the far bottom corner of the wilderness field when two men approached me in their tracksuits, but I don't think they'd been out running. And they asked me which way the footpath went. The widest track at that point leads towards the limes. The way that I had come to them was diagonally across the field. But then there's also a track that kind of goes up the side of the field, separated by a line of trees. So I pointed in that direction, which actually was the same as the signpost that we were stood next to. You know, there's a great big sign there saying, footpath, pointing one way, which if you follow it, you end up in Skane's Hill, and the other way is up the hill. And I said, that's the way, up the hill. And they said, where does it go? I was like, well, comes out at All Saints Church. And I continued on my way. What I perhaps should have done, I reflected a minute or two later, was ask them where they actually wanted to go. You know, maybe they wanted to head towards the lines. Maybe they wanted to come up to the high street and it would have been quicker if they'd gone across the field. Maybe they just didn't know. Maybe they were just out for a walk. Maybe I could have offered to accompany them as I was suggesting at church meeting a night or two before this encounter. I would certainly have liked to have found out how they managed to get lost where they were. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we don't expect. It says a number of times there, Joseph, in his passage, says, God sent me ahead of you. God sent Joseph to that place to be ahead because God had a plan. He'd seen what was ahead and sent Joseph to deal with the situation. The trouble is, sometimes, when someone stops and asks us for directions, we ourselves don't know where we are. What is our starting point? How do we know to actually say, head up the hill? There's currently a series on telly looking behind the scenes of the Metropolitan Police. And a recent episode showed a young Bobby who'd come down from Yorkshire, who was just finishing his training, 
and he was near Leicester Square. Quite where near Leicester Square, I wouldn't like to say. Particularly because he didn't know himself. And tourists were asking him directions and he pointed them onwards. Thinking he knew where he was. But actually he sent the people the wrong way. Perhaps they won't get to see this because they had American accents. But we need to know where we start from. Joseph knows where he started from. And he knows how he got there. Sold to be a slave. He resists the urges of his master's wife. He gets wrongly imprisoned. But then becomes second only to the pharaoh. He knows where he is. He knows his position. And he knows that he got there. To oversee Egypt and his family through the famine. The gift from God that had caused the trouble between him and his brothers. The dreams and the ability to understand dreams. Had saved him from the cells. Which meant that he could rescue others. God had given him a gift to use for the benefit of others. And he was well aware of this. Joseph can see what's happened. But his brothers can't. They've not done the same journey. They're starting from a completely different point. They had failed to recognize him at their first encounter. And even now at the second meeting with this prince of Egypt, he has to say who he is kind of twice and say that they're not to worry about anything before they actually take it in. Before it gets to that point when the brothers embrace at the end, there is a very difficult journey to go through. A very difficult journey of saying, I am here because God sent me. They are shocked and scared and mystified. Although he had been sold rather than killed, to them he had been dead and years have passed. It's been nine years since he's been released from jail, let alone all the time before that. Years have passed and people change in that time. And you will know, members of your family, that you have maybe not seen for years. And they will have gone through changes in that time. Distant relations, perhaps. Maybe close relations, that you've not talked to. And things will have happened. And you will have forgotten of them. But God's not forgotten them. Just like he's not forgotten you. 
just like Joseph had not forgotten his brothers. He's not forgotten them. And he's not forgotten that they are brothers. He remembers how they had treated him. How they'd thrown him in the well. How it had been a bad time. But yet, he forgives. He doesn't punish them severely as he could. No, he doesn't hold it against them. Because he understands where he is and the fact that God has looked ahead and put him in that place. He understands the purpose of his life and the suffering that he went through was so that now, with a royal crown, he can ensure that they live. He can feed them in a land of plenty. The brothers see it differently. They see that he was sold. That it was their sin that led to captivity. They see it as the downfall. And struggle to understand where they are now. But Joseph sees it anew. So when we're given the chance, do we forgive? Do we love our brothers and sisters in the world despite all the things that they may say, the things that they might do that cause us harm? Hatred is not God's way. And he brings his plans to fruition through love, through caring for them through forgiving, through making them maybe see things in a new way. And even if they don't see things in a new way, he calls us still to love them. God knew there would be the famine and that his people would need help to come through it. The famine was not of God's making. It was a natural disaster that he allows to occur. But it's not of God's making. And quite often folk today will say to you, why does God allow that to happen? And we don't know. We don't have an easy answer. But we can say that God looks at that situation and sends people into it. He sends people to show love. And here we see Joseph coming to the rescue. From Joseph's birth, perhaps even before that, when he was still in Rachel's womb, God had a plan for him. A plan that led him on a difficult journey, but saw lives saved. And God has a plan for us, for us individually and as a church, as God's people. What situation is he preparing us for? We can maybe see something of that by the gifts he blesses us with.
the things that he is equipping us with. We might not see it yet, but there is something in mind. I'm sure that when languishing in jail for year after year, Joseph was not fully understanding that there was a plan there. He wasn't really seeing his great predicament as a way for people to be rescued. He might have thought of the promise given to his great-grandfather, but that was about the land of Canaan, not Egypt. He might have struggled thinking, what have I done wrong? What mistake have I made? What sin? But that wasn't the situation. It was because there was a plan, because God had looked ahead and he had called him there and he had to go through it. We often struggle with the idea that our prayers are not answered the way we want, in the time we want. But sometimes that's because we or others around us have to go on a journey. God has something greater in mind. And that difficulty of prayers not being answered as we expect doesn't make it any easier for us, does it? It doesn't take away pain. Sometimes those around us might lose their faith. Friends or family members go astray. And the plan at times might be unclear to us. What, where are we supposed to go? Does the signpost really point that way? Or is it slightly over there? We sometimes struggle. But do not fear God will use those around us to further his aims and move the plan along. Even when we've kind of strayed from it, God will bring his plan to fruition. He took the family of Jacob to Egypt for their safety. He'd set up a way for them to be welcomed. Everything was in place. And yet, his promised land still awaited them. It wasn't going to be a quick fix. They'd been rescued from famine, but they now had a comfortable living, at least for the time being. They wouldn't be ready to leave North Africa until the situation changed again. Until the right person, someone who had lived as a prince and had the ear of the pharaoh, could lead them onwards. Hundreds of years had to pass before it was that situation. But God set that route out of Egypt in plan. 
He set forth the place for them to go to. And he doesn't change his mind. While we're struggling to see the root, we do see something of the ultimate destination. God promises to us how things will be and gives us an image of the future. The new heaven and the new earth, free of suffering, free of pain, free of death. But the path there is not smooth. Indeed, the gate was opened at a great price. Jesus, the Christ, was sold for pieces of silver. He was betrayed, yet recognized that that had to happen, that that was part of the Father's plan. The Father had looked ahead and prepared a way that we can be saved. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says that he will drink from the cup the Father has given me. He was wrongly thrown into prison, led to Calvary, suffered death on the cross. These things had to happen. They had to be as part of God's plan. We might not yet know the plan and how we get to that point. But it involves serving and using our gifts. Some, like the spiritual gifts of Joseph, the ability to dream and to interpret, the ability to prophesy and to speak the word, And the other gifts, this building, and the things that we can do. We have to be ready to use them, to further the plan, to see God's purpose come out, to further his mission. Not for our benefit ever, but for God. So to be we must be open to opportunities to share those blessings with others and see the growth of the kingdom. The Lord has a plan for us. We need to know where we are. We need to look at the signposts. And we need to walk forward in faith. Amen. Amen.